This is this is by the way why I'm never going to be a Catholic influencer because I make those kinds of jokes. I'm here with Mrs. Ruby, just in case you couldn't tell. We're the same age, right? Like, it's like you graduated high school oh four oh three oh one three oh three. Okay, I, I was like, it's it's I I know that it's 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 not oh five, but I was like, I don't think it's oh one. I don't think you're my year. I think you're no. just okay. That makes sense. Yeah, I graduated a semester early because I hated high school I, with a commitment. Like I committed to hating high school, so I went to summer school so I could graduate technically in two thousand two, but my graduation year was two thousand three. Was that like, I want to make this a personality or was it a bit of like, no, this is actually like, this is kind of terrible. and I don't want to be here. It was awful. Like I, so I moved from Nebraska to Arizona my Ooh. freshman year, like right before, literally two days before oh. school started. So I knew zero people when I started high school. I made the mistake of joining the theater department. And those are some really catty people. What? <laughs> and What? They're a little dramatic. I don't know. And so my my junior year, they got a bunch of the girls got together and made a Katie Haters Club. They made oh, t-shirts. Your junior year, they made t-shirts. Mm, they did because I started dating David O'Connor. And how did I not know that Tara O'Connor was going to marry David O'Connor? Because then they wouldn't have to change their last names. And so I was a jerk who dated a boy, and they all decided that uh, I deserved to be lynched for it. Was the relationship? I don't know. Was the relationship at least um, like um, worth it? Was like he cute enough that it was that it ended up being fine? No. I'm I, no because there's like I, a, I didn't were, marry the guy. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, like okay, I'm sorry. For high school, was it like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fine for high school. It was perfectly fine. I dated that guy for like five years into college. Oh. It was a really long time. Oh. Literally broke up with him to start dating my husband and married my husband. Oh, so you broke up with someone you were dating for five years and to get together with your husband. Mm-hmm. Your husband is a good-looking man. Have you seen how handsome yeah, he is? Yeah, true. I was going to say, he's, he's a good, really he's a, good, he's a good dude. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. He's great. I love that guy. Oh, man. How do you... Do you ever, like... We're at the point now that's so long ago. Mm-hmm. And it's... Hopefully, the baggage is gone. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah like, I think sure. for the most part, like, I worked through any baggage that I had. I remember the, I remember the minute I realized my high school baggage was finally done. And yeah. it was when I saw a picture of a particular person i was like i feel i feel nothing i have no feelings about i'm okay (laughs) like yeah my 20 year high school reunion was this year and i think maybe like 25 people went to it and they posted pictures on facebook and i was looking through that and i was like i don't think i could identify most of these people and the ones that i could like i don't have any strong feelings about so i didn't care at all do you call phoenix home uh no okay like Not well, so I, you were- I lived there for four years. Like I moved from Nebraska to Phoenix, like the Phoenix uh, metro area it was actually Peoria. Oh, if it yeah. Is from there, hello, West Valley represent. West Valley. I was there for four years, and then I moved to Tucson. So that was it. Interesting. Is that is that and that's where you met your husband, right? Was in Tucson. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, University of Arizona. Nice, nice. Yeah. How's wait? Okay, no. Did I tell you that I almost went to Arizona State? Yeah, I did too. But okay. then um, when I took all my placement exams, they were like, oh, you can already read. We don't have classes for you. <laughs> I think I would have partied very hard and enjoyed myself very much. You would have had a great I, time. You went from Arizona State to Francisco. I don't know what, like. How does that happen? So I went to, when I went and saw Arizona State, I was, okay, so ADHD, all that stuff. Grades weren't the best, right? 
Mm-hmm. It was like A's or did you go? And <laughs> with the and C's like no like yeah anything but a B really very odd. And so I was like I don't know like you know but like now in hindsight like I definitely would have gotten in but it was already yeah. it was in February when I went uh, my aunt D. She took me there because I wanted to go to UD with all of my friends. And I was going to go to a community college for a year to try to then get into UD, which is like a, a mm-hmm. Catholic school in Dayton. A whole lot of partying. Yeah. Um, a lot of fun. It's where I would go when I needed to blow off steam when I was at uh, Francisco. Like, I need a break from all this crap. I'm going to go to UD, go and drink and have a good time. It was, it was fun. This is when I was like... Don't tell me that. My, my sponsee that I was her sponsor for um, confirmation, mm-hmm. she goes to UD. So. Oh, she drinks a lot. I don't need. To, I don't need to. No, know that. no she doesn't. She's I'm just kidding. Kid. Sorry. She's a good kid. It's changed a lot over the past ten years. I've seen, like, I've heard from yeah. people. It's not as like I was. I remember going from UD, where like you never charged for alcohol, and at Franciscan, everyone at our parties wanted to charge people, and I was like, I thought it was just sacrilegious. I'm like, no, that's not what you do. It's it's a party. Like everyone, but at like UD, it's just hospitality. Yeah, it's just one big party the whole weekend. It was great. Um, mm-hmm. They have an area called the ghetto. They don't call it that anymore because they think it's derogatory. And it's just college right. housing everywhere, owned by the school, and it's wonderful. And it's such a great way yeah. to do community. Anyways, those Gen Z kids—they don't drink very much no. anymore. Like they're all opposed to drinking. I was talking with. I think sister- college has got to be different. I did you party a lot when you were in college? Party? Look at us. We're. Catholic content creators. We're so yeah. old. Yeah. <laughs> I was never like a big drinker. So well, like, uh, so I drank one time while I was underage before I turned 21 and my parents never drank when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know what a lot of alcohol was and more specifically how one drinks alcohol. So the first time I drank, I had five shots of brandy question mark. Mm. <laughs> then Ooh. that's not how you drink no. that. Um, no. <laughs> and I was very drunk and threw up and I had to have my mom come and get me. And then I didn't drink again until I was 21. And then I got married at 22 and pregnant four seconds later. <laughs> and I, I never learned to drink. And, and there, there it is. Let's see. When I was 25, I took off my shirt in my friend's car and threw it into the Potomac River. So that tells you about me. <laughs> you know, poor Marty. Marty's oh nice gosh. girlfriend who I just met that night. <laughs> you sound like Pat McAfee. He went was like high swimming in the canal or whatever yeah. Ooh, i was crying calling my ex my ex-girlfriend's friend <laughs> it was just, I've, I've heard about this yeah. i've listened to your podcast long enough to know about the crying and the calling the girlfriend no this was a different one. Oh, my <laughs> i God. called her friend who was my friend that i was like i'm upset my other friend's dead and she's like what and i'm like <laughs> it's 2008 this is gonna be a weird year <laughs> <laughs> Buckle oh, up. I had a baby in 2008. <laughs> my 2008 was way different than yours. I gave birth to my now teenage daughter. It was. I remember like the big stressor for me in 2008 was, I mean, up until my dad dying was the whole thing. But like, yeah, it was, I mean, obviously there was like my job trying to figure out what I was going to do. But when I had that handle for a bit, talking with my friend, uh, I don't know if you want me to tell us or not, so I, I won't say his name, but if you know who you... It's not my podcast, bro. You say what you want. I know. <laughs> uh, and us kind of being like, we could we could hit on girls who aren't Catholic if we didn't, if we wanted to, right? Like, we kind of just took a branch out a bit until we did. And it was... We were like, oh, man, this is kind of a rush. <laughs> oh, 25. I should say, not oh. like just girls at a bar. Like, like non-Catholic random girls... We're going to do mm-hmm. it. And we did. 
Wow. And they, Do, can I tell you my, yeah, yeah, no, my, the go. sluttiest thing I did in college? It was This is my slutty college girl story. It's not that slutty. Calm down. It's catching fire. Okay. I'm just not, I had no reaction at all. And you're like, calm down, Luke. Right. Calm down, Luke. Calm down. He's like deadpan the whole time. But okay. So I was in, in college. I was in a Bible study. But I'm, I'm a convert, so I was in a Protestant Bible study. The best. Um, and, and Luis and I had broken up. It was college. You know, we broke up. You break up with your college boyfriend a lot. Yeah. Um, and this guy that like I knew from a, the, my job at the deli had asked me out and he didn't have a car. So I had to go pick him up. So we were double dating and I there's this like cute boy from the deli and he gets in my car and in the backseat of my car was like the binder for my Bible study. And he was like, oh, my gosh, you go to a Bible study. And I was like, yes, this very like, oh, is he going to be like embarrassed of me or whatever or think that I'm a freak or a cultist or whatever? He's like. I absolutely love Jesus. I go to church here. And like, he just like all of a sudden comes out and he's like, I'm super Christian. And I was like, that's great. And in my head, I'm thinking my roommate and I got dressed for this and I have on the lowest cut top I own right now. So I'm just going to like zip my jacket up real good. And it was, we went to a movie and it was so hot. It was Arizona (laughs) in in September, which is so quite hot. And I couldn't take my jacket off. I was like, I'm not taking my jacket off because this boy knows I'm not supposed to be wearing this. This this is this boy knows better. <laughs> Man, that's empty odds. <laughs> that was so, so that's, shameful. That's saying something. Yeah. I I remember summer of 2003 being a bit of a flirtatious summer for the old Luke. And so I was mm-hmm. working at town grocery store, grocery lane market here in 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 Oakwood, growing out my hair because I'm going to Austria and just flirting with every girl there. Just, I mean, like shamelessly. And I went out, I feel like there's a story with another girl. I'm drawing a blank, but I went out with this one girl. She was 18. She had just graduated high school, ended up being her first kiss. And then I started feeling really guilty. And we stopped. And I was like, hey, we'll just, you know. And then she was like, I remember she said something bad about the poke because she was like uber Protestant, and I was like, ah, "I'm gonna be honest. Like, I'm just not feeling this. I'm not gonna go down this road. <laughs> like, yeah. if you, if I, if yeah. I was, I would totally be like, no, 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 let let's talk. And instead, I'm like, oh, I'll just walk you out. Yeah, these are great youth ministry stories. Like, so that the kids know that at one point in our lives, we were also doing something that we probably shouldn't have, and then like Jesus poked at us a little. I remember feeling so guilty about that and so shameful." dating the pope girl or the girl that was against the pope yeah because like i was her first mm-hmm. kiss and i'm like and i'm just oh, kind of yeah. feeling that like is, i don't that is what? Up. no i don't want to you know i didn't i didn't i didn't know that i don't yeah, think yeah. i hope you I didn't uh, who knows at that point in time they could have gone either way Teresa mcnews <coughs> the pope if you're out there and i know you are lucas sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i wonder what you're yeah oh there are so many like I worry about it. Was Teresa McCates the Pope? I'm pretty sure. Wait, it was definitely that was her name for sure. McC- I was like, I was like, I honestly, no, no, I remember her name. It began with a J, mm. and it's either Julia. I think I don't think it's Juliet. That was another girl. I had a big crush on a girl that I I worked with named Juliet. This is in high school, and her and my mm. sister did not get along because my sister had bangs, or vice versa. I don't remember. And they did not like each other. And my sister. Because of the bank? Something about that. I mean, and 
Oh. Emily was very angry at me for liking her. And I'm like, well, sure. and, and, you know, and I was like, Emily, if I have to like base my dating life off of like people you do or don't like, it's going to be exhausting. It was regardless. <laughs> and so, but I just remember it being a whole thing of like, she, like my sister was so mad at me. She's like, I do not like her. And she doesn't like me. And I was like, I know, but she's blonde and just really <laughs> cute. And like, I'm it's really the only qualifier I just, in, in, in uh, 2000. Yes. That was pretty much like, like, yeah. I mean, I, I was on, a, on and off with this other poor girl who I just, man, I feel so bad. Um, yeah. yeah. Where am I going with this? I don't know. We're just talking nonsense. Yeah. This is what I, I this is my podcasting that I miss though. It's just, everybody the, loves a good talking nonsense episode. At yeah. least they do when it's you and Gomer. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Everybody who's disappointed. I did grow out my beard for this. <laughs> If it helps. Oh, no. Well, it's on. funny. So could I tell you like what happened? And that's why I'm excited mm-hmm. to have to have you on tonight. So um, like this has been like, you know, like divorce aside, a rough season of life due to, due to hmm. some things. I can't remember. You said do do. Right? <laughs> I, 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 I didn't say that. I was like, hmm. I don't. I can't remember if I told you this stuff or not. So if uh, I'll tell you af- like afterwards, and so and then you throw on top of that like just you know, two grad school courses, uh, trying to be a good dad, trying to take care of myself, process my own emotions, and grow as a person. All the stuff. It's just like holy crap, this is a lot. Yeah. And Gomer, I thought was like ignoring me or something. I was worried, and we just you know like. I got a text from our editor and never got back to him. Sorry about that, buddy. <laughs> and and then we just did it. We, like, we were just like swamped. And I called uh, Gomer. I didn't hear back from him. Like, oh my gosh, we got to do an ad for the for the Good Egg Fund. We're going to like skip an episode. And there's just like dwelling anxiety in my life about like, what do I want to do in the future? Not mm-hmm. for like my, I mean, for like my career and a podcast. And there's this thing where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I don't necessarily mean podcasting, but I mean like whatever this is right now, I can't, I don't know if I can do this. Like I, I, mm-hmm. And I record this 30 minute um, monologue and it started with, I, I, you know, there's some things about this Pope that concern me, but I don't get the Colonel Burke stuff. I don't get it. I understand the, but like when push comes to shove, it has nothing to do with me. Right. And I don't have the emotional or like, to be blunt, like the time in, in my life to care about it. Now mm-hmm. people are putting a gun to my head and being like, Luke care about this, but it is like mm-hmm. the general dis discourse. And I'm like, I, and it's basically like me begging people at one point in time, almost in tears to stop caring as much. Cause it's not reality. Yeah. Like in, in the one sense of like, is a subjective sense. Like it's okay to read the pillar. It's okay to hear what like someone like Matt Frad is talking about, but to act like this is like a trial that you're supposed to be going through is a lie. This is nothing. Mm-hmm. This is not your cross. This has nothing to do with you. A little bit different if you're going to a traditional parish that has been shut down by like a bishop. You know, that's I understand that, but like, yeah. And I I don't know if this was like me trying to like I don't know if this is like my like nature revolting. I don't know if that's what was going on or if there was like, or if it was a a movement of of the Holy Spirit or, you know, what, but I like started by doing an ad for 
the good egg. And then I just like go into this thing about like, guys, this like isn't reality and anti-reality kills you. Like it kills you. And that's the thing that I've had come to terms with for the past couple of, um, you know, past 18 months plus is how real that actually is. And then once you dwell in reality, it's painful and it's hard, but then there are other things that are so easy to let go of then because it's doesn't, it's not yours. It's not your cross. Mm -hmm. It's not your burden. You know, only, um, who, who carries Christ's cross? I'm drawing a blank on his name. Simon is Thank the you. Siren. I was like, I think it is, it is Simon. But then I started to think of the Simon Peter put those um, nets down, um, that online from the audio adrenaline song. And I was getting confused. I thought you appreciate that. <laughs> that's actually what happened. We are not going to talk about that. Yeah. We are not going <laughs> to do this to your listeners. <sighs> Every time I'm on this podcast, 45 minutes on five iron. Frenzy. I know. I wanna, okay. I know, focus. I know. Oh man. Between the pavement and the stars. So anyways, I'm like, <sighs> I'm like, sitting there and I'm like just pleading with people being like, this isn't reality. Like Jesus is in reality. And like, this is a reality for Cardinal Burke, for the Pope, for other people, but not yours. Like yours is your vocation, your family, your kids, your job, your whatever. That's your reality. This isn't yours. This isn't your, like only Simon helps carry the cross, not everyone else there. Mm-hmm. You know, and Simon's yeah. called to do that. Simon is picked. You're, you're not being picked to carry this burden. So like, when Gomer tells me stories of people who like are like I'm losing their mind at the Pope and their faith, I'm like, this is, and, and then I feel bad, and then and then I I, I almost like kind of come undone, and I start to read, the, I, I like I, I I say out loud, I'm not trying to tell you that I'm quitting, but something needs to change. Like I'm saying this like into the microphone, yeah, and I read the me without the uh, um, lyrics to this. I, there's a song that comes to mind, and I and I end it with this. Is a um, lyric from a Me Without You song. And it starts off by going, God is love and um, love is real, but the dead are dancing with the, the dead. And that came mm-hmm. to my mind. I was like, I'm going to um, read you f- from that song. And I go and I, and I find that I forgot that that song is called the, is called, um, it's called the Soviet. And it's a song where the chorus goes, catch for us the foxes, like basically the embodiment of our podcast. And I'm like, okay, is this the end of Millhouse? You know, like, like this. And, um, I go to the bottom and I, so I like, I I read the whole thing and there's this um, line on the bottom where it goes, well, I have, I, um, well, I have my loves and I, so I don't need this. I don't need this. And it's how it ends. And he's talking about like the fox who's trying to come and like hurt and he's like, I have the, and yeah. I always interpreted that line as temptation. I don't need this. Or like, I, or like, or like some type of a struggle. And instead I think it's actually like a rejection. It's like, I have my loves. I have the thing in my life that are important to me. I don't need this. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's what this whole, whole the thing's about. And I talked to Gomer about it. We were just going to kind of process, not all of that, but like some of that. When he was driving back, but he didn't get a chance to drive back late until very on the late. And then, so he was like, why don't you uh, have like Mrs. Ruby on? I was like, that's actually a great idea. And so, and then I can't find my headphones. So I'm sorry. This is very, you know, lo-fi on our end. And then I read that article today in the Wall Street Journal. I wanted to talk about that with you and it's pretty dark, but why I wanted to talk with you about it is because... This is not me ending the podcast. 
mm-hmm. I don't think. This is definitely me being like, I don't actually know what's going to happen. But yeah. this is me saying, I think I have um, realized a very key, a very key thing after that experience, after reading that. And I almost want to, I want like two things to like happen. I kind of want you to interview me a bit, which sounds very weird to like spring that on you because I need to process this. Sure. And I, I'm wondering if like maybe, so, okay, here's what I'm saying. Feel free to like ask me things while we dive in, dive into this, which I know you're not like, yeah. you're not, you're not scared to scare too. And I'm not looking for no. you to have answers, but I'm curious for about some of your thoughts because you, your content, your online, your personhood is so unbelievably positive. Like you're just a positive person. Like you, you, you created a thing on Twitch that like you call like one of the happiest places on the internet. And I know you're not as uber active on Twitch anymore. It's more on Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, are you still doing that? Are you still trying to like keep it positive? No, it's really interesting that you're talking about, I mean, still keeping it positive as much as possible. Yeah. But um, I, honestly, I don't know that, I don't think of myself as being a highly positive person. I think of myself as just being myself. Like there's mm-hmm. every winter on Twitch, people have to watch me struggle through seasonal depression because it's, I do not do well in the winter time at all. But you talking about this is kind of funny and, and, uh, and fitting because I have laid back off of Twitch quite a bit for lots and lots of reasons. Um, you know, Twitch kind of stopped enforcing its terms of service. And so there were tons of naked women on the front page of Twitch that would be recommended right alongside me and my kids. And I was like, I'm not trying to do a cooking show on OnlyFans. So if you're not going to enforce this, I'm not going to be here. And I don't have the pull to like, I'm not ninja or anything. They're not going to stop any, then there's, you know, good, see you later. Don't let the door hit you on the way out is they don't really care whether I'm there or whether I'm not. Mm-hmm. My community did though, like Twitch, the company, I mean, yeah. um, but my community cares very much. Mm-hmm. And and so like, I'm still active in my discord and I miss my community and getting to spend time with them. But one of the things that I would ask you or that I would think of for you is when you have time off from something like it, there's, you've got a million aspects of your life, right? You've got, uh, you've got your daughter, you've got your grad school, you've got your work, you've got catching foxes and anything else that you're doing on the side. When you find yourself, uh, how do I word this? Like, when there were days when the community and my Twitch community would say, Katie, it's okay for you to take this day off. You need to spend time with your family. We understand. Go do that. Um, and and I felt like I had been reprieved of it or I had like called out mm-hmm. sick from work that day, if you will, mm-hmm. from a job that I don't have to call out sick from. Um, I would feel this overwhelming relief. So when you think of your life, what thing do you get to step back from? And when you don't do it, instead of feeling sad, do you feel like, okay, that's that feels better that like, I don't have that on me. Do you have a thing like that? Do you mean, I just want to clarify. Do you mean, do I have a thing where I take a step back? I feel better that I have to think, Ooh, should I be doing this? Or is it like, yeah, more specifically, like when you, when the podcast gets canceled, like if Gomer texts you and says, Hey, I can't record tonight. We're just going to have to bump it. Absent, you know, whether or not you had an ad read you were supposed to do or whatever. When you get that text, do you think like, Oh, thank God. Oh, yeah. Every time. (laughs) Almost every time. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I'm not, I love this podcast. And every week that I see that there isn't one, I get sad, which is not your business. My reaction to your boundary is none of your business. Like, you got to put your own boundaries where they got to be. And everybody else's reaction to that boundary is not your concern. Your concern is Luke and, and what Luke needs. So, if, 
every time the podcast gets canceled, you find yourself thinking, oh, thank God, maybe it's time to let that thing go. Yeah. Sorry, Gomer, I'm not trying to cancel No, 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 no. no. It's interesting because... um, Or rework it. That's what I'm leaning a little bit towards. Like, because what what ends up like two two things happen. I feel this sense of relief, but it I think it's more in line with the you know John Mulaney joke where he says canceling plans is like heroin. Yeah, of where it's like love canceling oh, plans. Like, okay. Millennials love like that. just one less obligation, one less thing of like on life telling me I'm not fifteen. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. now on to air streaming on YouTube for two hours. Like, there's a bit of that. I love air streams. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited to buy one in like two years. Um, I have plans. Uh, there is, but there's other element too of when I'm recording with Gomer after a break, it is wonderful. Like it yeah. is so life giving and it's so fun. And mm-hmm. I just love talking with him and I love talking with our fans and I love, okay. I'm going to say two things and they could be contradicting each other. So I want to be right. Here's the thing. When we're having this conversation, Luke, I'm not going to hold any of it, hold you to any of it. You're processing. Yeah. You're thinking this through. Yeah. That's the thing that we don't let people do anymore. Like when they want to come up with an idea, when they want to talk something out and try to figure out where they stand on it. We, we love to like hold people accountable for what they thought at the beginning of this conversation as if the point of the conversation wasn't to work something out, you know? Yeah, it's true. So you can say stuff and then decide later. You know what? I don't, I don't think I mean that thing. That's fine. When stuff started getting bad and I took a break from the show, I spoke with several people about, do I come back? Is this okay? In the very, very beginning, one of my friends told me, like, no, you may need to end this thing. Like, it, if it, he, he basically said, if it's, like, if it's got to go, it's got to go. And that's, mm-hmm. that's okay. And I was like, yeah. And I, that, there was some freedom in that for me. And then there were other people I spoke with that were like, well, okay, helping your vocation since as a dad, you're not, it's not hurting you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not as big as you think you are. So don't worry about the scandal. Like, you know, kind of like, the, like the, I was, I was worried about that. You know, I was worried about letting yeah. people down and, you know, um, and also, you know, but they'll kind of just the collateral damage of the whole thing. And there was this element of like, but it's really helping me and it's good. And it's like, and, and I need to do it. Like to be blunt, like I, from a financial perspective right now, I need to do it. Yeah. I don't know if that's now that doesn't. And so I think what I kind of need now is to put myself in a position where I don't need to do it. Mm -hmm. And I need to let go. I want to like build Patreon and that experience for, for people. I did a lot of marketing stuff about a year ago. It was great. I just don't have it in me. Yeah. And I think one of, there are two things that I got from that. One was that people wanted more access to us and I would love to give that to people. Like I have no, I, I, I it's my personality. Yeah. But it's hard. It's super hard to manage a business on top of your, like, on like like just the business part it's not that hard but it it, it weighs on me like the, the i feel tons of guilt around it i feel tons of we're not doing enough we could we could be doing more and i think that for me i just 
want it to be I'm podcasting with my buddy, talking about things that we like with people that 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 we like, and can it just be that? Mm-hmm. I have no desire to go to seek. I have no desire to do any more live shows. Ish. If it came up, it was fun. Absolutely. <laughs> no, but like, I, I, um, and why I sent you that article? Because this is like, it basically talks about a, uh, an influencer, but I, I didn't know who this person was. His wife was a big person. They ended up getting a div- I I knew who bo- all of the people involved in that story were. Yeah. And do you want me to summarize it yeah, really quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, you'll see where my, like, I feel like I'm contradicting on myself, but so keep on going. Yeah. yeah. So Luke's talking about an article that he sent me. I didn't even, I don't even remember what publication it was in, but it was about Dave Hollis, uh, who is the husband, former Disney executive and the husband of Rachel Hollis. who She wrote a book that was really popular a while ago called Girl Watch Wash your face girl wash your face and like every person in the history of the world read that is wall street journal i think yeah yeah it was the wall street yeah. journal um so she wrote she wrote that he was her husband he quits his job as a disney exec to like manage her self-help career and then eventually you know they get divorced her book um that book particularly was really um open about their marriage mm-hmm. like the things that, and I, like she maybe overshared quite a bit in that book and that was a lot of the criticism of people that i've read around the book um, but he quit his job to to support her and to like help build her empire and they had this huge multi-million dollar uh, social media following and then they end up getting divorced and then he hooks up with another um, social media influencer who i I actually followed uh, Heidi Powell. She's a fitness influencer. Uh, she's the person who taught me how to do vacuum crunches where you like suck in and, and turn so that you can fix your diet. It's fine. Don't worry about it. You don't have a baby that lived in your abdomen, so you don't need to know that. But um, so she's a fitness influencer and she had just gotten divorced and uh, Dave Hollis, she started dating him and then and then he died yeah. very suddenly. Um, and I remember seeing Heidi post about Dave's death and I was like, who Dave, who? And then I looked at it. I was like, Oh, Dave, Hall- wait a minute. And I had to go back through and figure out like, when did this happen? Yeah. So it was a whole thing. And, you know, he had a, a drug problem that was sort of underlying, but nobody really talked about it. And so that's the article that, that Luke is talking about. Go ahead. I saw so much of myself in him and not, any, and not any of myself in him at the same time. Yeah. Like, and it, with that last, the last line of the article goes like this. It was so insane where he says, Dave was found, he, he learned with his phone on his chest. So, so actually, this is probably, I should probably back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Months, months later, Wayhan described Dave's drug use as the locked door that. Um, people, sorry, that in like influencers don't open to their like followers at the memorial service. Wayhan tries to tried to piece together his his own memories with snapshots from strangers who knew Dave from his on his online life. Frag, uh, fragments he struggled to put into a into a um, bigger picture. Most troubling of all was how Dave. The um the man who surrounded himself with friends since childhood, who had who had a nearly half a million followers at his command, had died had uh, died alone. Dave was found. He learned with his phone on his chest. That is hell. That hurts. That's that hell. Hurts. 
And I, I understand, I, I don't have a drug addiction. I, I will say this, this is as close as I'll probably get to ever talking about this. Like the podcast didn't cause the divorce at all. So it's not the sense where like you get the impression from this, like their show, their content, like drove them apart and drove this, you know, that's not, but this thing of like, particularly how they put everything about their lives online. They try to be earnest all the time. And that I, I felt like I was going insane around 2018 after the priest stuff, mm. not when it was happening, but like a couple months afterwards. Mm-hmm. And there was this thing of like, I can't be angry all the time. I can't be this angry person. I don't want to be that. And no one was asking me that, but I felt like to be just so earnest all the time. And that's what people wanted. And I wanted to do that. And I wanted to also be like, I'm falling apart. And I don't know how to tell you guys that I'm falling apart here, you know? Yeah. And I didn't even realize how bad I was falling apart. I, I just, it, it wasn't until probably 2020 during the pandemic when it like, just like accelerated. And I was like, Oh God, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and there's this, and I, I, what I, what I, I like relate to is this prison of like, I feel like I have to do this. Prison's a wrong word. It's like a feeling, this type of like, a. you want to share this gift. You want to share this thing, but you don't have it in you anymore. And you, and you believe in what you're doing and what you are trying to say, but it's not matching up with your life as much as it did. Or, or you're more aware of like the hypocrisies that we all have and like we, and, and we all experience. And there's this thing of like, I want to help, but I'm kind of dying. It's something about like something about the earnestness, like. I, I mean, like Reese Roper, the uh, head guy like Five Iron, like is such a like like role model to me in so many ways, and like his bleeding heart stuff was very much a thing for me. Mm-hmm. And when the third Brave Saint Saturn album comes out, which is like this, um, it is a side band thing, came out after the band. I broke know, up. Uh, not you, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> it's pretty hidden what he's talking about. Where in like yeah. before there is an album, there is like a song that to make the metaphor any more clear, or to, I guess it's more of an like analogy or whatever. I think it's, it's a metaphor. He compares his fiance dumping him to the revolutionary of a war. And he's like a loyalist. I mean, and he sings, mm-hmm. you know, that's me in the corner saying, God save God, save the queen. After like, he says, okay, how did it go? Staring at the days, uh, staring, right. Um, I hope your life is great. I hope it's been a wonderful year. Staring every day, um, waiting by the phone. Jesus Christ, I feel so empty and and alone. Right? Like <laughs> it's 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 so sad. And like, I mean, there were two Brave Saint Saturn songs during the communion meditation on my wedding day. Right? Oh my <laughs> like that's gosh. how. Like that's and this thing of like, I think this is killing me. Like I think it was actually. I don't. There were other things. There were other like parts, but I could. I think there's this part of me that's like, I don't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I want to, but I can't. And mm-hmm. I think what is starting to bother me is like, I feel like now just to be a Catholic or to be active, I'm expected to have these opinions or to think this is important. 
And I'm like, I can't, I literally can't. And so it's not necessarily the podcast per se, as much as it is this type of like, if this isn't my reality, I cannot deal with it. And I saw it starting back then with yeah. certain things. And, and that's why I'm like, I, I don't, that's why like it relates. I relate to that so much. I see so much of, of like of myself in him and that idea of like, being engaged with your phone and that's how you die alone with your phone is my hell. Like that's my hell. Yeah. You know, that is my hell. That would be awful. And, and I, um, it's not even the push for, I'm not, I'm not talking about the, the push for downloads or subscribers, but just as like, this is the way I'm interacting with the world. Mm-hmm. So much of it for me has been online since 2015. There's been some wonderful things that's, that have come about because of that. And yeah. I wrestle with this, but there's other parts. like, I think the kind of catching Fox's bleeding heart thing has got to stop or I, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Because I, I see, I see the comments of people saying the show's not as good as it once was, or this feels like, a, you know, and, and part of it is like, I mean, we had a person tell us that like, he doesn't know if it's because of the divorce or Gomer didn't get a new job, but the show is just not the same. Or someone saying they can't, they feel weird supporting me because of the divorce. You know, and like, and I'm like, you know, I, I, I don't know what to say to that. Like, I'm sorry. You're probably right. If it helps every, you know, half the people that like, yeah. I'm like friends with who are like actual real life friends. Only one person stopped because of everything that happened, mm. which for me was like unmeaningful. But like that, and that doesn't matter. I don't mind wrap that up. But like, the people who like knew everything. I think I just I think I want. There's got to be a way to like. Can I make a better version of the third Brave Saint on oh, Saturn album, where there's a bit? It's not mm. quite as much of a bleeding heart. A little bit more like distance. A little bit more of something. It's got the essence of this, but I don't have to lay it all out for everyone because I actually think for me to do it anymore, I think it was fine. I don't think I ever crossed the, I'm sure I crossed the line. I have, but like, I don't think it became <laughs> that. I think there were times where yeah. I went too far, but that wasn't the norm. Yeah. I'm just saying like, I can't anymore. And so if that means the show has to stop or it's not, or we lose a lot of people, for the sake of my sanity. I, I don't know. That was a lot. Tell me what you think about all that. No. I I can relate to it strongly. Mm-hmm. Like so with the Twitch stream, I had at the at the peak of my Twitch stream at any given moment, I would have at least 125 people watching live, which was which is pretty big mm-hmm. for Twitch. I mean, it's not like thousands or whatever, but for a food and drink streamer, it was pretty big. Um and I'm at the point now where i'm relieved that i've because i've backed off of it um and i think that the situation that i talked about on parasocial anxiety where with the stalker thing that happened uh, two years ago it hurt me a lot more than i was ready to admit to even at the time that i made that podcast like i was i am worried about letting people close in and how much access people have to me and i don't feel like i have a lot of emotional i mean i I'm just always me. I don't have an online persona. I don't have a, a it's just always, I'm too tired to make up multiple versions of myself. Mm -hmm. So, so what you see is what you get always, but like having very many people 
well-meaning people, people that I care about, people that I want to love, just I can't have that many close friends. We were never meant as a species to be able to have 500 friends. We were never meant to be able to have 100 people that we interact with every single day. Like that's just too much. Um, And so now that I've backed off of Twitch quite a bit and I, you know, I just like sometimes I'll get on and just play Fortnite which nobody wants to watch because I'm bad at it, but I have a good time. I just talk to people and have, and have fun. And there's 20 viewers and that's fine for me. And that's kind of the equivalent. What you're saying is you just want to make something with your friend. You just want to spend time with the people that, that care about you and the people that would watch, even if you were not gouging your heart out for them. Um, and, and that's kind of me, except for me, it's making waffles out of weird stuff. <laughs> I don't want to make waffles out of anything weird anymore, but, uh, yeah, I I get it, and and I the I have. Do you remember Peter? Uh, I don't know if you pronounce it Win or Nguyen. Everybody seems seems to pronounce it differently, Nguyen. but Nguyen. Nguyen. Um, he was a Twitter guy. Do you remember Peter? Do you remember Peter? Vaguely, love Vaguely. Peter. He's a seminarian now. Like he got memed into the seminary on Twitter. <laughs> but anyway, he once Happens. said to me, he said, he said, I am like a. A medieval peasant. I know who my Lord is and that I need to eat and I don't need to know anything else. And for me, that was like one of the most profound things an 18 year old has ever said to me. We're like, you know who your Lord is and who you serve and that you need to put food on the table. And beyond that, like the things you feel like you have to weigh in on, the opinions you think you have to have, the things that you think you got to put out there for us on Catching Foxes, it's not necessarily true. You don't need to know that, especially to be a good lay person. Yeah. You're not a, co- a priest. You're not a bishop. You don't get to vote in the conclave. I asked. <laughs> I was like, please? No? Oh, and I'm a woman. I'll yeah. write it down. <laughs> Secret ballot. Come on. My maiden name was man. Does it count? You just go in with like a fake, a thing like mustache. And glasses. <laughs> mustache. My name is Mr. Burns, I believe. Yes. You have a conclave for me. That'll do. Yes. All right, Mr. Burns, what's your first name? I don't I know. don't know. <laughs> and, okay, let me just do like the, one, the main dis- dis- disclaimer that everyone does. I know like... Oh, you poor content creators, blah blah blah. I, I like we're unlucky that people are even pay, are even paying attention. And I think for me, it's yeah. it's not so much like the um, creating of the stuff as much as it is the like. I just have to have an opinion about everything now, mm-hmm. and and it's like I can't do that. And if that's what podcasting is, I can't do that. Yeah. You know, and I, and it, sorry, it doesn't have to be the, no, no, you're good. I, I know that like as content creators and, and people who are suffering from what's that called? Imposter syndrome. Cause we both are. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. We absolutely yeah, are yeah. <laughs> suffering from imposter sure. syndrome. You feel like you have to give these disclaimers that like, I am very grateful. I really appreciate it. But nobody on earth that at least nobody that's reasonable is ever going to look at you and say, because you are a content creator, the world has a right to your raw emotions and to see your kids at every moment of the day and to Mm -hmm. pick your, like nobody actually feels that way. That's up in our crazy little content creator heads. Like that's not real. So you're, what you're talking about here is right. Like not needing to know everything and needing to invest in the, in the places that you are and, 
physically, like really are, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Sorry. I feel like I went off on a rail there. No, no, there's a, there's an episode. I believe Gomer and I talked about before that we'd never release or even, I mean, we just scrapped it, but Gomer and I are like screaming at, at each other about the liturgy. And at one point in time, I just say, I don't give an F about it. I don't, like I say like, the, I, like which is probably pretty blasphemous. <laughs> and so like, like, I'm just Ooh. like, I don't give a, you know, and what's actually was going on for me was this war within my heart of like, I can't handle this debate. Yeah. I can't handle expect this expectation I have that you're all telling me that to be a good Catholic, I have to hate the liturgy that I'm having a profound experience with over at Glenmary or when I was growing up or like, yeah, like you, I, I just like, stop. I, I just want to be like, please everyone stop. Like, mm-hmm. and I see this as a person who like likes going to the traditional stuff and has friends, you know, and who, but I wrestle with yeah. this sort of like, like liturgy where I'm like, I truly don't care, but I feel like I keep being sucked into it over and over and over again. And whenever Gomer goes, goes on about it, I'm like, yeah, that's really cool. I love your insight. This is great. Can we stop talking about this? Actually, yeah. like, I, I, that's what I feel like after the fact, like, like in the moment, for the most part, I do kind of like it when, it, particularly when, when he's on a roll and it says, I mean, nothing to do with him, but it's like, I, you're asking me, and it's not even him. It's, it's like, at Franciscan, it would get like this, particularly with dating. Yeah. There'd be this thing that we would all do to each other. We're like, we're all kind of having this like, almost like a war in our head with this greater expectation pressure or weight that we feel that we've all somehow created. And I mm-hmm. feel this pressure to have an opinion about these things or to be on this side of the argument. And I'm just not, I'm just not, yeah. I'm just, you're, I'm not going to be the kind of person who's going to say everything was better before Vatican two, nor am I going to say we should um, not change stuff and try to be more traditional. I'm going to like, have a lot of opinions. I'm going to go back and forth about it. And I think for me, there's this kind of like expectations, not as a creator, but even just as a Catholic, they're like the real side, the the right side is like this. And Mm -hmm. I'm not. And I, if I'm supposed to be like a bleeding heart about this, I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it cured me completely of any like notions about needing to have an opinion about the liturgy or stuff within the church. It was going to India. I went with the Pontifical mm. Mission oh, Societies yeah. to India. Yeah. And so I saw the mission churches, uh, tons and tons of mission churches. And these are churches like I said something like this on Twitter recently when J.D. Flynn was talking about people complaining about the style of their le- or of their daily mass or whatever. And if you're a priest who has to drive 100 miles to get there. Um, just imagine those people who never get a, a mass. And I'm thinking these these people in this church in India, one of many that I saw that had no roof or mm-hmm. a roof that was made out of plastic um, or, you know, the floors were dirt or the floors were, you know, broken tile and the chairs were like, you know, the plastic, not quite lawn chairs, but like deck chairs, <laughs> like mm-hmm. the the yeah. ones that you would pull up to a little, yeah, like with the armrests and everything that were chipped, they there that was what they had to sit in there were no pews there were weird plastic chairs that were that were in there and you know 
plastic uh, statues of the Blessed Virgin Mary that look like you bought them at a 7-Eleven, like that kind of thing mm-hmm. is what's in the mission churches. And when you ask those people, hey, what can we give you? What do you need from us? Um, and you would think like, I would like an altar that's more beautiful than this, the, what we have here. I would like, you know, stained glass or whatever it is that you might hear in an in a American church. They say, we would like you to build a rectory so that our priests can live in our community and we can have mass every day. Like they don't give a crap what the building looks like or what the statues look like or anything. They just want to be able to have the sacraments and to have them there. But more like the thing that was really beautiful to me is in India, people remove their shoes to go into the church. You, you look outside, if you're standing outside and looking in, and one of the girls that was with me, her name is Barb, and she's wonderful, took a picture of the church with all the shoes on the, on the steps, and then you could see everyone inside praying barefoot. And when we would go into the churches, we would say, should we, we take off our shoes? Because you guys are all taking off your shoes. Should we do what you're doing? They, they would say to us almost universally, well, no, that would be disrespectful for you. Like you guys don't take off your shoes when you go into church. So you don't do that. Like we do that because it's, it's respectful for us. That's how our culture shows Mm. respect. But if you did it, it wouldn't be that. So don't do that. Um, and they weren't offended by, like they recognized that our piety is different Mm. than their piety, but it's not invalid. And they were perfectly happy to allow us to have the way that we do things. And they weren't offended. They weren't throwing a fit. And so to me, like you come home from those kinds of environments where people's concerns are so much more base and you see the incredible privilege that it is to be able to be offended by the fact that your parish, for whatever reason, believes brown banners are somehow liturgically appropriate, even though brown's not a liturgical color. This is me being ridiculous. (laughs) But like, like that's such a privilege to be able to complain about that. And I know we hate as Americans being told that we're privileged, like that word's so you know, politicized yeah. nowadays. Sorry, I just bumped my mic. But like, it really truly is. And and you don't have to have an opinion about that. It's okay to just say like, sorry, like it it was good. Like it, it's fine. Everything's fine. That's why when people ask like, what do you think of that mass? I'm like, oh, it was great. Jesus was there. Like yeah. every time it's, that's all that really matters. Was Jesus there? I don't know. Well, and you know, it's, if we were in charge of liturgies and if we were in charge of, of architecture, we probably we probably should be a bit more concerned about this stuff, but we're not. So it's like, yeah, I can't. It's not my job. Yeah, that's why. Like when Gomer said that quote, I don't know if you heard this episode maybe two weeks ago, it was from um, uh, Meditations of like on what's his name, Saint Thomas Aurelius. You don't need to think about this, or not Saint Thomas Aurelius. Sorry, Marcus Aurelius. Yes, yeah, he's like, you don't have to think about, about this. this. It's not asking you to or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, we don't actually have to. And I, this is not your business. Yeah. Like I, that was my experience of the Glenmere home missioners over and over and over again of just like seeing them. And like some of the liturgical stuff, I'd be like, ah, but like, <laughs> but I'll just like their faith and their joy and their love for Jesus. And like, I'll, I'll never forget going to father, father Dan Dorsey, yeah, man. like going to, going over to father Dan. Well, I'm not like asking about him just a second, but, um, and being like, Hey, I'm really having a hard time with like how much came out about what Joppel two knew about something. I'm like, this is, mm-hmm. It was Drumple 2 and McCarrick. It was Drumple 2 with Benedict. And I was like, I'm, I, I need just, can you just be a priest for a second? I mean, he, he, he he's always a priest. I'm like, this is not about he's work. Always a priest, this is yeah. about like, I just need. And he just like, I remember we sat down on this huge unconference table. And he just talked about like, about Jesus being in the humanity and going back like, over and over again. And this is the group that's like, pretty left of center. 
And I'm just like, yeah. I needed this. Like, I just needed this. And yeah. you have such a heart for God. And like, and I'll never forget going to our like one mission and being a Bible, um, a Bible vacation camp thing over mm-hmm. the summer. And the priests are telling me that the bulk of these kids there, they are actually in the fields with their parents, six, um, seven, eight. And they're trying to work on their behalf, but and like this is their vacation. This is their fun thing on the summer is this camp. And these kids yeah. are working. They're in the tobacco yeah. fields and no one cares about them. And they're gonna be in and out. And because this is this is people who are willing to to do the work. And this little girl who was like, she probably had to have been six or seven, if that. She was scared of me, but she was talking to Spanish like with um with, with like father. I could tell she was very she was just, she was scared. And I'm about to like leave. And I thought, and I saw her again and I say bye. And she like grabs my hand and she says, adios. And I was just like, I'm going to cry. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm like, I'm getting emotional now. There's like this little girl who next week, that week after was going to pick tobacco. So I could have a, you know, an American spirit. Like that was Jesus. Like this profound thing. And I'm just like, how am I supposed to care about this stuff after that? Yeah, exactly. That's a hundred percent it. And yeah, yeah, you're right. You're correct. And you're, I, I know that you've had times, like I remember specifically one particular episode that you had where you and Gomer were talking about, I want to say the minimum wage, maybe mm-hmm. it got out of control real fast. It was during COVID <laughs> oh, gosh. And, and you were yelling and I was cleaning my bathroom while I was listening. And I was like, Luke, you're out of your Stop. Like I was literally yelling at you with my AirPods in and, and Gomer's like taking this very right-wing kind of economics approach and i was like he that's not what he's talking about right now gomer he's talking about the fact that he's sad that people are hurting luke you're not verbalizing the fact that you're sad that people are hurting you're verbalizing some nonsense about politics right now luke say people are hurting and i want to hug those people (laughs) and i can i can hear it in your voice when luke is having a people are hurting we need to stop talking about stupid stuff and just fix the hurt. Like I can hear you say it's in your voice so much. And I don't think you even know that that's what you're saying at the time Yeah, because you're so deeply invested in whatever nonsense you're going on about. But like, that's, that's, that's the thing is that like, you're, we're really just having the same conversations over and over, which is what makes that having to have an opinion so boring is that you could probably map the conversation beginning to end, do both sides of it for yourself from both angles because you've heard it so many times, like the lit- the liturgy talk, the politics talk, I can do both angles. I've heard this fight online so many times. It's practically choreographed now. And all we're all really saying is that we all need to be known and loved. Like, and, and like, that's really where you're getting it. And we, this whole argument is so stupid and we need to stop having these arguments and instead focus on building community and focus on loving each other and being good humans. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I, uh, there's part of me that wants to like, just get rid of some of our podcasts over the summer of 2020. Like when I feel like stuff got bad. Oh, and it's part of your, it's part of your mythology. I know, but like, I'm clearly drunk in some of them. Like, cle- I can hear it. Like I'm, cause I remember being like a bottle of wine. Oh shit. <laughs> and like, <I'm> just, <laughs> like, I'm just laughing about them. We got Taylor Swift. <laughs> Sorry. 
I'm glad you'd be like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. Oh God. It's really bad. I'm sorry, Luke. I love you so much though. No. Do you, you, like the, I love the crunch boys too. They're my favorite little boys. You're my favorite big Thank boys. Thank you. Um, they, uh, other than my husband, obviously, but they always talk about like the time that they came on your podcast the first time oh and they're like, gosh. and they, they're like, never meet your heroes guys. Cause they were just blitzed. Oh, no, <laughs> I don't time. think you guys under, yeah. Like it, I felt bad afterwards. I know you've talked about like, it. It's funny. So I was, <laughs> yeah, it was so old, poor guys. I was like, why is Ethan the adult on this conversation? Oh and they were like in college still. And Gomer and I are well into our thirties. Like I was at, I th- no, I think, I think I was in the apartment in Norwood out in Cincinnati. So that means it has to be 2000 and, I'm 17 or above. So like I'm above mm-hmm. Jesus's age. Like I'm over yeah. 33. Like let's Yeah. Just, <laughs> that's I love that that's how you're measuring it before or after Jesus's age. That's yeah. right. But like so when people are telling you like Luke it's not as good as it used to be like oh what when I was drunk the whole time? Give me a break. <laughs> that's like <actually> true. <laughs> you guys need to <laughs> take it down a notch. Like okay, I'm not as drunk now. I'm old. So leave me alone. The podcast is way more sober than what it used to be. Like it's not even close. I used to drink like I probably would have four or five with every podcast we would do. That's not great. Like, not well, great. okay, let me clarify. Like, sometimes like the beer would be like half drunk. I'm not judging. No, no, I, no. But like, it's I, it's not like I'm like binge drinking straight. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like sometimes you just have a few. Like me with the diet, Dr Pepper. Oh, Dr Pepper, so put good. this whole thing away. So good. Um, it really is. Can we just talk about Father Dan Dorsey for just a second? Yeah. Did you interview him for your podcast? Yeah, which one I did for uh, Frontiers of Faith? Okay, that's the one about the missions and stuff. Yeah, so everybody who's listening, go follow Frontiers of Faith on uh, Apple Podcasts. Is, I have so many podcasts. I'm literally going to give you, you thirty thousand podcasts to follow. You know why? Because I love storytelling. It's my favorite oh, thing. I really love fun? storytelling. Yeah, I'm having a great time. Ah, yeah, that's awesome. I I want to analyze stories. That's what that's where my heart's at. So you want to go get an English literature yeah, degree? Pretty much. I just yeah. want to be like. I went to school for that. Uh, I did that already. I would, oh man, I just want to read essays and be like, "Why?" Like smoke a pipe. And have, uh, yes. Yeah, and like have a party where there's no TVs and everyone's dressed like it's 1945. I'm like, what's happening? Um, yeah. So, did you release the Father Dan Dorsey episode yet? It's the second one. Uh, so the all the ones that I recorded at NCYC are um, Advent bonus oh, episodes great. and they're great. coming out on Mondays. So I think Father I think Father Dan might be the very first one that's coming out. I don't remember, but it's it's they're all the Mondays during Advent. They'll be um I interviewed so many different types of missionaries because mm-hmm. my goal was to like show all of the way to be a missionary in the world. Yeah, the first one is Father Adam McDonald and then uh there's a Net Ministries guy and then actually Dan Dorsey is the third one. Okay. So, um yeah, but I was like, here's a bunch of different ways to be a missionary. You don't have to be an overseas missionary. You could be a Glenmary missionary. You could be a mm-hmm. net missionary. Like there's so many different options. Um, but he was just the most infectious human. And I didn't mean to offend him, but I told him he reminds me of my grandfather. My grandfather was, uh, he just died last March. Um, mm-hmm. And he was the most influential man in my life. My father figures have been pretty much garbage. Um Shout out to my father figures who are all still alive and will never listen to this podcast. Um, but like, I did not have a good dad. Yeah. And so I had my grandfather and my grandfather was joyful and loud and boisterous and 
kind and he converted to Catholicism as well. So when I converted, he was delighted. Oh, wow. He would go to church. Yeah. Um, he, he would go to his parish and tell his priest and be like, he'd be like, Father Hall, I have a Catholic granddaughter. I got Catholic great grandchildren. Like he was so proud of himself cool. or of, of us. Yeah. And Father Dan Dorsey puts out that same mm -hmm. joyful boisterous he was he was my best friend the second i made eye contact yeah. with him yep. like he was every time he saw me he was like hey we're gonna do that podcast later right like he's so great <laughs> such a great man like just yeah. exudes loves yeah. jesus yeah that, that, that thing we've been saying i was so like yeah yeah he's done <laughs> that to me a thousand times yeah oh my gosh and he had a different hat on every day like ncyc there's like a hat trading thing kids trade hats it's a whole thing but every single time I saw him, he was wearing something else. It was so silly. Like he was just in there, you know, elbows deep in the in the muck of, mm -hmm. of youth ministry. Mm -hmm. And like anybody who's done youth ministry knows like that's a little that's that's tough. You gotta be in there. Like you've got to be invested in those kids. And he was not afraid. He was not timid. He was oh gosh, just mm -hmm. I would like to. I would like just a tall glass of whatever he's drinking. You know, his family. I've met a couple of his family members. They're all just they're, there's just this energy to them where it's like they're just cool. They're just fun. Yeah. Like they're just like they're like really competent. Like very like he's a really smart guy. Like he's a very very smart. And I've seen him turn it on. And mm -hmm. I've seen him like. I'm like, I remember this was about a working, like he, he like called me up and he was like, well, I actually think this, I was like, crap, you're right. Like it was like a fundraising thing. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay, I actually think you're right. And like, he just, he's, he, and he doesn't like hold it over you. And I found his family to be just very like salt of the earth. And they're all like, they all like just seem to be very like, it's an era of the church, not an era, like a kind of person that doesn't really, it doesn't exist anymore. Like all the kids go through. Catholic schools, very hard, hard, overworking, not that far removed from when whoever came over the boat first, mm -hmm. you, you know, there's just, this like, you work hard and you do, there's this kind of like a, but then you also like, you live, like you love hard. You do like, that sounds a little, little cliche, but like how you work and how you love are like equally as important. Yeah. You know? yeah. And he's just someone who like has every reason to have a massive ego. And mm -hmm. will wear crazy hats at, at an event and look like, you know, your dorky uncle or grandfather. He, yeah. And like, He's... that you're so glad is there. Mm hmm Yeah. Every time I saw him, it just brought joy to my heart. Yeah. He's the, he's the kind of person that you see him and you're like, oh my. And, and I think like at this point, he far enough removed, he probably met 10,000 people that weekend. He probably has forgotten who I am, but. If I ever see that guy again, I'm going to hug him and just try to convince him that we're already friends. Let's see if it works. Yeah. yeah. He's great. Yeah. He's fantastic. I, oh, man. Um, we're at, we're at one hour. I appreciate this. Oh. Do I, did I sound Sorry. sad and depressed talking about that stuff? No. no? Okay, good. I don't think good. so. I appreciate it. Well, I mean, you sound thoughtful. No. Well, that's why I was, I was, I was glad to be able to talk with you about it because I just think you, you're, you have like, you kind of get both sides I think mm -hmm. you have a very positive demeanor. So yeah, you gotta, you gotta take care of yourself and you gotta like, I don't know if you're going to keep this in the podcast, but just like as your friend, you got, you got to love Luke. 
so much. You got to love Luke as much as I love Luke, as much as the rest of us love Luke and take care of what you need to do. And if that means you have to put things to the side, that means you have to put it to the side and you can always come back to it later. You can always come back later. I have a very hard time taking care of myself. Like you you have to. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. I know you're not a big, you're not a big Jordan Peterson guy. That's more Gomer's thing, but in um, the 12 rules for life book, he has a thing that's like, you need to take care of yourself. Like you are somebody that you are responsible for. Um, like you are your own oh, he's child, totally right. basically. He's totally right. I he, agree with him. Yeah. I, I read that book before he was controversial and, or before I knew he was controversial. And I was like, I don't understand how this is controversial. He's just giving kind of good advice. Like, and then I found out there was other stuff afterwards, like outside of it, but like kind of basic, obvious dad stuff, advice, but yeah. Yeah. It's, like just most of us grew up without fathers, so we needed to hear that. You know, I was from somebody. It's funny. I was talking with my therapist about it, and he was like, "You don't have to be productive every day of the you know like." And I think for me, I'm like, I don't know if that's it, but I'm like, I think it kind of is because there's this sort of there are, like I'm a very all or nothing person. So there's either airstream for three hours. By that mm-hmm. I mean airstream YouTube. A lot of debates over people being upset about uh, like Nova Internet. It was a huge thing like five five months ago. Gosh. Or it's just like ah, go go go. <laughs> like there's no like journal for a bit, you know. Like yeah. and that, it's it's something that for me it just my I don't even think about it. And so there's this like weird like middle ground that involves some self care and. Um, like I got sick of I got food poisoning on um not because of Thanksgiving but on Thanksgiving Day, mm-hmm. and I was severely dehydrated on Friday. I could just tell like I am just like I got to hydrate. I was trying, but I was just like exhausted and I was um, sleeping and trying to not you know uh, have things happen. And so I went and got an IV treatment, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, this is great!" Like I did like a liquid IV, and I was like, "This is like I need to do this more." Yeah, it's good stuff. But I don't, my brain doesn't, like, is that built into, like, your schedule? Like, how do you take care of yourself? Oh, so part of, part of what, part of the death of the stream was that I decided I had to start working out and eating better again. When I work out regularly, this sounds so lame. I'm sorry, everybody listening. But, like, when I work out regularly, I don't have as bad of seasonal depression. Like, I just it's just, it's much more manageable. And, and it's maybe because there's a routine to my life or whatever, but like I tend to, when I start working out, I'm, I'm a little like you, the all or nothing thing. Like if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. So I track my macros. Mm -hmm. I make sure that like what I'm eating the right things. Um, and, um, so I just started being a lot more cognizant of that. And like, I'm protected that time, like the morning after I take the kids to school, I go straight to the gym and that is a time that I have to protect that I will not give up for other things. And I'm just, it's mine and I'm sorry, but that is what it is. I need it or I will die. Um, because mm-hmm. I, I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that by the mid February, I think I'm going to die. Um, and like, not that I'm going to kill myself, but just that like, I, I don't see how life can continue with the way that my body feels tired mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. weepy and useless and mm-hmm. all of those things. And so I was like, I have to get this better before we get into that season. So I, I just started being a lot more psychotic about the working out. So I, uh, I can, I go to the gym with my daughter every single day and, um, and I am weird about the food that I eat. I eat exactly so many grams of everything every day and 
being a weird control freak really helps me. It's, by the way, I think an ADHD thing as well. I don't have diagnosed ADHD, and I think that Instagram is trying to influence me into believing I have ADHD, and therefore I am rejecting the idea that I could possibly have ADHD. <laughs> but if I did, one of the ways that like people control it or manage it is to have very regimented things, like always do okay. the same thing, mm-hmm. don't like have a routine, and that works super, super well for me. So. That's what I would recommend to you, but obviously all people are different. And so what works for me won't necessarily work for you. No. But you'll get hotter, which is nice. And people love it when they get hotter. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I only have another 10 plus, 10 or 15 years where that's actually going to be a thing. Then afterwards, it's like, ugh. You're a man. You can be ugly and no one cares. I know, but like you do hit a point of like, I remember the first time I like when I put on like a little bit of weight. Like, that she got a little bit of was like, oh, Luke, are you, are you okay? Like, I remember seeing on pictures and being like, goo! This has been, like, 2008. <laughs> I remember going to Walmart and mm. buying these pants. And like, this is the biggest pants they have. Like, why are the pockets tight? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, it took me about two years, but I lost around 60 pounds. Whoa. From, actually, actually, to be blunt, I actually probably lost. I'm sorry, that, that, that's not true. I lost almost, like, close to 80. From like my heaviest wow. to my like lightest point, yeah. And then, um, but at this point in time, I was probably around like around like fifty to fifty five pound mark, and I was like, oh, oh, okay, I do look kind of good, don't I? Perfect. I'm you know, doing it. Like, yeah. guess who's back at the bar having a good time? Good. But he's too scared to really, really do this. It's gonna take a couple of years. Yeah. 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 I'm not like a, I'm a bit, I'm a small person just naturally. I'm a, just, I'm fat. My fat is not fat at all, but for me, feeling chubby is different. So I went from like the, I was the heaviest I've been not pregnant this last March when my grandfather died. Um, not that anyone, now I'm, I don't need to tell you my medical stuff. I had a reason why I couldn't go to the gym for a little while mm-hmm. there. And then I also was sad and it was just after winter. So I had eaten all my feelings. But I was, I weighed 135 pounds, which is, I'm five foot three. So it's not big, but it it's big for me. And I started working out and, and tracking my macros and all that. And it took, not even kidding you, four months for me to even start losing weight. Because when I work out, I lift weights. So mm-hmm. that you have to like find that, that space yeah. where your muscle mass buildup doesn't offset the weight that you've lost mm-hmm. in body fat so that the scale actually moves. You can like feel it. You can tell that like your pants are looser and things like that. But most like they always tell you for the first four weeks, after four weeks, you'll start to notice after eight weeks, like your husband will notice. And after 12 weeks, anybody who looks at you will probably be able to tell. Mm-hmm. But like when you're in those first 12 weeks and nobody else can tell it, it's, it's really hard. And I can see why people are like diet and exercise doesn't work. So I never do it. I'm like, nah, it actually just takes a long time. Well, it's super like, so for me, it kind of doesn't, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, there's a real stuff. <laughs> like I can immediately start to feel a little bit of it. I'm, I'm like a yeah. week. And I'll be yeah. like, oh, arms like a little bit more def- Like I just have like a my body is like the I, it's one that craves to like run and be and be at athletic because I'm not very yeah. coordinated. But once I get going, the athletic part will take over the the lack of coordination, which sounds yeah, like nice. an oxymoron. Not an oxymoron, but like they would be contradictory. And no, you can be strong enough that it just doesn't matter. Pretty much, like I just I get a little bit more like agile, like you know, alignment. 
yeah, like I will trip over my feet, but then still be like pretty, pretty strong and like kind of agile. It's, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, the thing that I have the hardest time with is just like my brain, it is very hard to stop and to start everything. Like that's why I realized like how my ADHD has one of the ways that it manifests itself. It's through stopping and through initiating things. Mm-hmm. So right now it's, I think I'm probably going to start in January because I won't have the, just the, like the workload that I have mm-hmm. right right um, now. And I'm trying to do a better job of like, like I miss running a lot. I really, really do. Oh, and so I will never miss running. I love it. I lo- and I, I can't do the, I, I think I, I do think like my stroke kind of killing my ability to do the weight stuff that I love to do, like my pull-ups and my deadlifts and kind of any sort of like heavy benching squatting. Not that I was yeah. like a bodybuilder. I just liked that stuff. I was naturally yeah, good at sure. that. You know? Yeah, it's what I like to do. I'm not a bodybuilder, but you know, you want to see my giant muscles though? Nobody else can see them because it's just you and me, but like. Rah. Oh shit. Yeah. You're <laughs> Am I amazing? Seriously. That's I so funny. Like, I could kill a man with one hand. Actually, maybe. Your bicep, I'm very scary. It's big. That's crazy because like you like your arm. Not that it didn't look fit, but it just like looks like a normal it arm. It just looked like an arm, and then you flex yeah. it. It's like look at me. I got definition, definition here. Are you scared of me? A little. I know you should be. Like, sorry, I'm super proud of myself. Like, where to go? I don't post naked pictures on the internet or anything, but they're very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> they're very exciting muscles. <laughs> When I used to go to the gym, like I was really, really fit like five years ago and my husband would come with me to the gym and he used to post pictures of me. So if you go to my husband's Instagram, you can like find all these (laughs) pictures of me when I was five years ago working out at the gym. And now those pictures don't exist because I go with my daughter and she's like, if you (laughs) post pictures of me, I will kill you. (laughs) Okay, I won't. But it's, uh, it's, it's cool. It's cool to be strong and to have like, you know, you know, it's fun though. You know how you, when you go to GNC, if like the guy starts talking to you at the like a vitamin shop or whatever, they'll be like, "What are your goals?" They always ask you what your goals are. Mm-hmm. I like to throw something crazy at them every time they ask that, and be like, "You know, I I want to be in uh, physical condition enough to be able to do anything God calls me to do." And then they're like, "What?" And That's not getting like, laid. You know. What do you mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. He's like, "I don't I don't know what that means." I'm like, "Just point me to the lady protein man. Just show me where the lady protein is." That's so funny. Yeah, I, I should. Hmm. I because I don't like being very. I tend to. I mean, this is not a mind blowing thing. Like I will gain the most weight when I'm sedentary, like when I'm just not. I'm moving a lot. Like, yep, that is how that works. And around, like, I got pretty heavy. I was doing okay when I started the archdiocese. I got pretty heavy after that, and then during the pan, like. Even before that, like, I don't know, but I just, I never quite like found like, my groove. My stroke just really messed up a lot of things. Yeah. And so I, that happens. Yeah. I think it's, it's kind of funny. Like in hindsight now, I just feel like I just was like, I don't know what to do. Like it's the, uh, it's the uncertainty for me is also kind of a thing at times where it's like, I'm either, if I'm not, it's either like, it'll paralyze me or it'll be like invigorate everything about me. And I just want to like be absorbed in this thing. And I think they're yeah. just like, crap, what do I do? You know, so what are you, you listening to right now? Like what's speaking to your soul in terms of songs or podcasts or 
Um, I listen to the same music that I've always listened to for a hundred thousand years. Um, so nothing new or interesting. I apologize. I peaked musically in like 2008, nine, maybe. That's time to do it. (laughs) And if it's other than the, uh, five iron frenzy albums that came out in the last couple of years, I haven't, I haven't heard anything new. I'm currently listening to the audiobook of the color purple. Oh yeah. I read it in college and there's a new movie coming out. That looks like a musical. Yeah, that was a little weird when I saw that. I was like, this already exists. I was like, you're right. And and it's not a musical. And it's supposed like, to be original. good, right? Yeah. The movie, the old movie version, the Oprah movie version, although Oprah is involved in this one, I think, as a producer, but get that the older one from the 90s is upsetting and depressing and horrible. And then this one seems very Shug heavy, like the um, the singer. It seems like she's very very big in this episode or in this version of it and hmm. i think it's going to focus pretty heavily on well anyway we'll see we'll see how it goes i haven't seen it but i wanted to re re-listen to the book because i was like i don't see how you're going to make this into a musical without it being offensive it's just like but it looks it's pretty it looks dark right i haven't i have been the very first it. sentences of the book are about how the main character Celie was repeatedly raped by her father that's what i thought okay i didn't want to yeah that's like the book starts with that and and um the word choice that that is used is very it's you know the vernacular of of, you know black people in that period in history Mm -hmm. and so like they casually refer to female anatomy as the p word and it's just like like they don't mean it to be vulgar and Mm -hmm. so it's kind of uncomfortable to hear it because that's in in you know polite white society where i live that's a vulgar word that you only say if you're trying to be shocking um but to hear it's like casually used is a little stressful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I but i i very much like it. i've um i took took a lot of studies a lot of classes in college on black women's literature oh really and uh yeah i was a very strange kid in college <laughs> but uh yeah had a good time what do you like okay as a person who's not given a lot of thought to black women's Literature, literature. <laughs> like is there anything why not like any good like hey here's a like who were like your people like who might be good like on ramp or good like this is accessible if if you tony will. morrison is extremely accessible um did he write the color so, like purple tony morrison is a woman sorry but woman with, I, why did i do that what is wrong with me <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. Uh, uh, Toni Morrison is a woman. She did not write The Color Purple. Alice Walker wrote The Color, Color Purple. Um, but she wrote Beloved uh, is very popular and The Bluest Eye, I think. Okay. You, you, Toni Morrison wrote a ton of stuff. So you'll, okay. And she was often on the Oprah's <coughs> Club. So you'll be good. But I mean, it's, it's very niche, though. Like, And I don't think – I don't know. It's very niche. I mean, there you go. makes sense. I it'll be awkward to talk about in like the in the circles we travel in. I can't imagine very many people will want to talk to you about Alice Walker. <laughs> I will. You can call me. I, I'm, but... I made it. I, I'm getting real into like let's understand what these things are. Let's like dive into it. Let's not just talk about like the technique of it or like what we the implications. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about like, what does this mean. I it was actually. Um, Surge on Twitter had this great thing one time where he's like, I don't understand why you, people want to be like, I think it's being a little t- tongue in cheek, but like, why do you want to avoid spoilers? The whole point is to like be able to comprehend Discuss the thing it. in its entirety yeah. and to experience yeah. it and to see it, see what they're trying, like, what are they trying to say in act two, understanding what happens in, you know, the end of 
of the third act. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, ooh, that's good. Yeah. I, if, uh, for any of your female listeners who happen to be in a book club, maybe like I love listening or one of the things I love about black women's literature, that's always like, it just like lives in the back of my head. I was in a book club once with a bunch of Catholic women and we were reading a tree grows in Brooklyn, which is my favorite book. And these women were talking about like, these, these are like educated, privileged white women um, in a Catholic parish that is extremely wealthy and talking about how, about women's liberation and women, they don't want to feel like they have to be housewives and yada, yada, yada. And in my brain, like being a housewife was never a, a like historically it was never a thing that was done to oppress women. And when you read literature from that time period, like in A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, her mom scrubs floors and she was not a an oppressed housewife she was working and like for black women the idea in in most black women's literature the idea that they would be staying home with their children and not working in a field or cleaning somebody's house or doing something is asinine so this idea that like women historically have been oppressed by being forced not to work or being kept out of the Mm -hmm. workforce is just so antithetical to everything that's in any literature you'll read so it just makes me feel like if you're having that argument that you've perhaps not read enough Mm. (laughs) you need to read a little more Anyway, or that, or that historically women's places were in the home. Like I am a, for the most part, a housewife with and a content creator, but the idea that women long-term have uh, for the by and large have been responsible for the home and have stayed in the home. There's just no historical evidence to support that. Yeah. That is such a weird 1950s trope. Anyway. Yeah. The, I'm just dying to do a podcast on Mad Men. I just want to go through. Not, I know. I know you are. I know. You know, my friend Jeremy was in Mad Men. Did we, wait, what? My friend Jeremy Reisman was in Mad Men. What, he was in, what did he play? He was an extra. He was an extra. <laughs> but uh, in one of the episodes when they were in California, they were at a Stones concert, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. yeah later seasons. My friend Jeremy walks by with a giant afro. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think I actually know what part you are, uh, you are talking about. When they're like, they're hitting on that girl in the hall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. outside yeah I can, yeah of course you and i need to stop watching the same tv shows we're gonna bore everybody with, our, with their nonsense it's just so are you a doctor who fan no we can't talk about that uh, i've never seen a single episode no, i'm sorry don't worry about it it's not worth getting into but it's fun <laughs> like your life is gonna well i mean it's i'm not one of those like you have to watch you i was that for a bit you know i'd be at a bar and kind of drunk like it was gonna sound weird but it's still called doctor who just trust me <laughs> I was in Idaho trying to convince people to borrow those in Doctor Who, and they'd be like, "What? Are you the people sure. that's cool? F- yeah, I am. Doctor Who. Trust me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm not. You're a- gonna have to bleep this episode now. No, oh, yeah, sorry. Like, I swear, I'm not a nerd. Yes, I was. I just ran six miles for listening to a thing called a podcast, and just just a bunch of comedians called the Nerd is talking about you know the upcoming John Sweet Avengers. What do you mean? What's wrong with I'm me? Gonna- I'm going to text you that you swear at one minute and 26 seconds so that, or I'm sorry, one hour and 26 minutes so that you can find it easily and just bleep the one thing and then just upload it raw. Just, <laughs> nobody, you don't need to edit any of this. It's fine. Just throw it Joe, out. Joe, just, yeah, yeah. It's great. Oh, hey, Joe. What's up, Joe? Joe, poor Joe. Joe, I, Joe's probably worried his, if he has a job or not. I'm like, yes, you're fine, man. Don't worry about it. Oh, you're good. Man. I got your text. Yeah. What Christian band do you wish that you got you actually got into, but you really didn't? Christian band? Mm-hmm. Like Tooth and Nail or whatever, like that era. It doesn't have to be a Tooth and Nail band per se, but like is there a band you're like, damn. 
I wish I had gotten into I them. wish I had gotten into yeah. them. Mm. Like you just didn't have time or they never really – like you know they're good. Like you get it. Like yeah. might not be your thing or like might not be, you know. I think like the only one that I didn't really get into that everybody else was into was Reliant K. Like I – they were – sort of on my radar but i was not a huge huge fan but like I, everybody that i thought was good i hung out like i listened to so i don't know remember when yellow card was a christian band uh i see were they a christian band i uh, had at least they opened for one at one point no we'll see so the guitarist used to be in a band called craig's brother a very good christian punk punk band yeah but I think they ended up like opening for a bunch of that would make sense. Uh, like very early yeah. on, yeah, very early on. I had and, one of their uh, first albums, and I remember one of one of the early albums, one of the other cards early albums. Yeah. I thought it was Rely K's early stuff is great. That's my favorite Rely K. Did I ever tell you the story about the dismemberment plan? Mm-hmm. Do you know the dismemberment plan? I don't think so. Oh, it's a super weird band from the early two thousands. Um, okay, now it kind of rings okay. a bell. Okay, well, so this I really liked the Dismember Plan. It's not Christian, sorry guys, um, but I was really into them. There, uh, an album called Emergency and I. You should download it, find it somewhere. And I was really, really into it. That their lead singer is this guy named Travis, and on the back of their CD, they had their email address so that you could like contact the contact them for whatever reason. And it, I added them on AOL Instant Messenger because it was an AOL account. <laughs> So in college, yeah. I added that screen name on my AOL, and then one day it like came online, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" You know how you like stalked your aim yeah. thing uh, back yeah. in the day, yeah. and so I messaged it, and and I was like, "What am I going to do? Like, how am I going to do?" It? And this is where I first started pretending like I was already friends with people just to see if we could be friends. Yeah, and I. I texted this this thing as if I was texting like my roommate or whatever. And I was like, oh my gosh, he didn't even show up tonight. He said he was going to be here at 445 and he wasn't there. Like I started as if we were in the <laughs> middle of a conversation. <laughs> and, and he's like, uh, I don't know who you think you're messaging. And I was like, is this, is this, uh, I made up a name. I don't even remember what I said. Like, is this Teresa? Oh, that's and uh, so and he was like, no, this is Travis. And I was like, oh, Travis, I am so sorry. I, you know. I was trying to reach the I'm just a silly in my, girl. <laughs> in my English class at school and I was really into this guy and he didn't show up and he's like, Oh, he sounds like a jerk. And I was like, Yeah, what would you do? And like, so I just started talking to this guy. And he's like, I was like, What do you do for a living? And he's like, I'm in a band. And I was like, Oh, really? Are you any good? <laughs> I'm not I'm obsessed with you and stalking you. That's like that's half the reason why they they um, had it on there. <laughs> And that's why you don't need to give people that much access to you as a person because that's someone's going to get creepy. Oh my god! This is this has probably come up into how the whole stalking thing happened. Did I tell you? I didn't swat that guy though. Oh, I told you about the Megan McCain thing, right? No. Google Luke Carey, Megan McCain. What did you do, Luke Carey, Megan McCain, yep. like John, John McCain's, McCain's daughter? daughter? Yes. In 2013? Yep. It should be a Daily Mirror article. A DailyMail.com. Daily Mail. John McCain's daughter, Megan, Megan, enthusiastically agrees to a sushi and beer date after being propositioned on Reddit. A Colorado man asked Megan McCain out on Reddit, and she said yes, propositioning the buxom blonde during her Reddit Ask Me Almost Anything Friday. Luke Carey <laughs> scored a date with the daughter of the former presidential candidate. The majority of Ms. McCain's asked me almost anything centered around politics and the environment and we're at legalizing marijuana, but the digital Don Juan kept his eye on the prize. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is the least fun 
flattering photo of you. Like, I know they went. To, well, this is when like Luke didn't understand that like you need to keep your beard a little bit longer, man. Yeah, they, they yeah. They, Ms. McCain tried to give herself some wiggle room by saying she only dates guys between twenty nine and forty five years old. Perfect, Carrie replied. I'm thirty. It'll. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah, not a good picture though. Luke, I'm so proud of you. This was like so uh they Did you submit these photos no, or did they, they find they them? They got them off my Facebook. That's me like like cuz the one there's one of me standing by uh uh like a newspaper box out of Denver newspaper that box, I tweeted yeah. at at her when we were out one night. That's and then, because you can see that I have like the bottom of my jeans, I think are um, rolled up because I was I'm listening rolled to up. a lot of, of Mumford and Sons, and so of you were. yeah, uh, it was very you know, and I was but I wasn't in raw on denim, so I really was doing it wrong. And um, Luke, I'm so proud of you right now. It, uh, we were bored at work, and so she was doing an AMA and my I know Scott. Were, okay, so Scott, who's on like in a lot of early episodes. He wasn't by me. We were working in the, in, the, in the same office, and my other buddy was there. I was like, "Dude, I'm gonna ask Scott Megan McCain." He goes, "Okay." And we started to do it, and he was like, "Oh my!" And we were like freaking out that she was responding. That's and then she started following me on Twitter, and then she, she tweeted like, "Did you go out with her?" No, she never like got back. Like everyone started lo- like. So what what happened was like it all like happened. It was it was pretty funny. She, she followed me on Twitter. And then she oh, went on to your Twitter. Then she went on. This is my old Twitter account. I wish I never got rid of. Then she f- talked about it on the View. Now they never showed my picture, but at one time you can see them all turn and look at at the monitor, and Barbara Walters goes, "Oh, he's okay. Like, like not ugly, but not great either." And my mom got so mad at that. Oh. But my sister saw it and were losing their mind. Well, it was happening. So they sent me this thing. Like, I I get a text from them. And then later on the day, the article started coming out. People started to share it. And it, like, it's when I realized I could never actually be that um, famous. As much as I I love being on, like, being known and stuff, that was an entirely, like, my phone, I had to turn my phone off. Ex girlfriends were starting to, to, like, reach out to me. A girl added me. Uh, that Gomer and Shannon tried to set me up with. We texted for a bit. Then she just stopped. She added me on Facebook. It was like, it was wild. It was wild. Oh my god! And then gosh, Megan McCain so stopped following me, and that was it. Yeah. Never heard from her or or her people. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Okay. Before we go, I have to talk about my other podcast. Oh, dude. Yeah. Please. Please. Yeah, because I'm. This is, I'm hijacking your podcast now. No, do it. It's all Fine. about me. So we're doing a podcast with uh, with John Blevins where we uh, we review media for kids called Is This for Kids? I love it. I'm, that's a uh, great idea. That's a Have great you gotten idea. to see any episodes Ooh, of this? I've seen clips. No, of course you haven't. That's okay. They're really short. They're like, we're doing it on YouTube and YouTube likes short videos. <clears throat> YouTube likes two kinds of videos, shockingly long ones and then short ones. <laughs> that's awesome. And so we're doing like like eleven minutes ish for for, for each thing. We got to do like, yeah. And we we're getting to look at like these like millennial things that we all loved when we were kids, and then we're starting to show them to our kids, like Boy Meets World. Oh, that's cool. Boy Meets World. 
Yeah, like is, is Boy Meets World for kids? Like, have you rewatched it recently? What's going on? Because this all came from John rewatching some show. I don't even remember. I think it was Free Willy. John was watching Free Willy, and he was like, "Oh my gosh, this is traumatic! Like, I can't show this to my mm-hmm. kids yet." And I did the same thing, but with Spaceballs. <laughs> so, <laughs> like halfway through, I was like, "That's a lot of s words. We got to turn this off, guys." So we started. We started doing this. We're just gonna like review things and and tell you like how, is it good for your kids so we're looking at new stuff we're looking at old stuff kind of rewatching things and it's i'm having so much fun doing it that's it is cool my it's so fun so basically what i need is for everybody to go listen to that podcast on apple and on youtube because i would like to keep doing it for the rest of my life because it's so much fun well john's a great dude i mean he's all right he's such a nice guy he's so <laughs> i i really like him a lot He's like, a good egg, isn't he? He's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's he's super sheltered. Like, if you and I did this podcast, it would not go well <laughs> because you and I have very similar uh, worldviews. But it's kind of funny. Like, on the Pontifical Mission Society podcast, Monsignor Kieran thinks that I am, like, an insane conservative. Like, he's like, oh, you have all those right-wing friends. And I was – because I said something about NCYC being – controversial you know the <laughs> same people that dislike the glen marys are not yeah. really big fans of ncyc and uh and i was like well it is under a certain subset so he thinks that i'm like this absolutely massive right winger and then on the other podcast with john i look like a flaming liberal that's how like, I everything's feel like I fine <laughs> I, I like ask me how many episodes of simpsons i've already showed my three-year-old daughter yeah double digits so, that was when we were talking about this, John and I, when we were like talking about what episodes or what shows we should do, I was like, well, we've got to do The Simpsons. If you know that, like, is it still relevant enough to do The Simpsons or can we do old episodes of The Simpsons? He's like, no parent is showing their kids The Simpsons. I was like, <laughs> I literally, Everly, like, will see and go, Simpsons. Or she will try to get me to watch on The Simpsons when I'm trying to get her to do a thing that she doesn't want to do because she yeah. knows how much yep. daddy likes it. The Daddy Loves no, the Simpsons. I, yeah, like I watch the Simpsons. I don't know. I'm pretty careful about like what episodes, but like, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, this one's fine. Oh shit! <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's pretty much awesome. So you know, it's it's a lot of fun. He's he's much more conservative than I am when it comes to those kinds of things because I'm more of like a if you'll watch along with your kids, if you're there to explain yeah. it. So it's like mostly kind of what we're the our like sweet spot is is this appropriate for an eight year old? Because there's like the stuff that's obviously for little little kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we talked about Bluey a little bit, and then there's like once your kid's sixteen, what are you going to do? That kid's going to see whatever that kid's going to see. Yeah. And then, but like when you're in that middle spot, like where where where's this? Okay. Can I tell you about the most awkward experience I've ever had while watching in, when I was in high school? Yeah. And then I, I, I know you gotta it's late, so I'll keep this short. But oh my gosh, it's like midnight, Luke. I know, it's, that's eleven twenty-seven. It's not midnight. But you mean <laughs> you you have like five kids, I do. <laughs> all of various like ages. One of them staring at me right now. Is it the one who had the weird like um, head, headphones thing? And I was like, what is that? Why is there a cat thing on there? That's you my daughter. Yeah, I had a whole conversation with like your daughter about that. I was, I was yeah, like, yeah, "What's yeah. what's what's going on here?" And then what's she, with the headphones? Yeah, and then, yeah, and, yeah and, that one. And then it, and then it made a lot of sense. I was like, "Oh, cool." And I was like, yeah. "This makes sense." They were um, free. Yeah. And she's like, "Oh my gosh, why are you doing this?" <laughs> I just she just got home from babysitting and she's showing me all the money she made. She's like flashing twenties around. It's weird. That's how much kids are making after babysitting for like a couple hours, like twenties. As in two zero with an S. I think she's got a hundred bucks. I'm just like I just quick eyeballed it. It looks like a hundred bucks. I want to make a hundred bucks. 
Maggie just thumbs up me. It's a hundred bucks babysitting one night. How many hours? Yeah. Uh, she left it. She got there at five thirty. She said five hours. It was five hours. So 20, Twenty bucks. bucks an That's hour. not bad. That's twice way better than make minimum it wage. Uber. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, go okay, ahead. Sorry. sorry. So I'm at my friend, my girlfriend's friend's house, who I was I was decent friends with too. We're at her at her house. Her parents were there. Her dad was in the, the seminar. Her mom was psyched to become a nun. That's how they met. Her dad's very big and quiet and scary. Night, the nicest guy, but also like okay. very intimidating. And they had this TV where he could like put on headphones and we could hear, but it was like an older one. So there was this like boxing by him that he could hear it. And it was 10 things I hate about you. <laughs> and there's, can your daughter hear? What about, okay. So there's a part where the guy goes, there's a dick on my face, isn't there? I feel like, drew, <laughs> I feel like the jock turned on him. And I just laughed so hard because I love nerds are made fun of. I just laughed and laughed and laughed. Yeah. And I was like, ah. <laughs> I should probably go. Yeah. So. so anyway, you should check out the new podcast. Not you. You're busy. But everybody else. <laughs> you did check not out find my podcast. story funny at all. You were like, yeah, no, no. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's, it was funny. I will moment. tell you if it was funny. You didn't hit that one. I'm sorry, Luke. <laughs> it's okay. We can edit it. It's out. all right. Watch my podcast. I'm, no, I'm excited. It, it's good. I think. Is this for kids? It's a great idea. It's on YouTube. It's a great idea. Would you show your kids Ghostbusters? The old one or the new one? The old one, like the first one. I mean, two, obviously, yes. Because I was, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, I haven't rewatched it. I think it's a little scary, isn't it? Eh, not really. I haven't, I, I haven't seen it since like 1994. So it's great. It's been a hot minute. It's great. You know what I saw? I saw a preview for a new Ghostbusters that's coming out, and it seemed like they had the Bill Murray was in the preview, and then some one of the girl Ghostbusters from the lady Ghostbusters was in there. And then, like, when they show the principal cast at the end that's, like, going to be the main Ghostbusters, it looked like it was the same people from the Lady Ghostbusters and Paul Rudd. Like, they decided, they were like, you know how we could fix this? The concept's not broken. What was broken was the lack of Paul Rudd. So it's actually, like, kids. They're kids. They're children? Oh, there's okay. a girl who lo- and I, I know why you would think that. Like, yeah, they're they, they kind of. I didn't. I wasn't paying close attention. It's Gen but. Z kids, so one's like, "Oh wait, are you uh, like a thirty year old? Are you a thirty year old like lesbian, or is this just like the haircut that you're going for?" Right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Gen Z kids are weird. They're uh, really hard to pin them down. Uh, good luck. Good luck. They're not. They don't want you to. Yeah, they just. They just seem. They're like, Ugh. and I'm like, <laughs> like literally. That's anytime I go get coffee, I feel like half the time they're just like. Ugh. I'm like the younger millennials weren't like this. They liked me. <laughs> <laughs> these gen z kids i can't get in with them i can't yeah all right yeah, this was fun right. thank you so much for yeah. coming on i really appreciate it yeah. thank you thanks all for having me for listening who knows if we'll be back but this is fun so thank you i feel better about myself and about life i swear to God, you have to do at least one episode after this one because if i'm the re- like people no, be like no. mrs ruby killed catching foxes i'm terrible don't don't do it. you have to do at least one more I mean, we'll, 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 we're going to keep going. I, I feel like I got out, what I, which is like, you know, I anyways, I don't need to be. Go down. I'm done talking about Go down to once a month or something trends. if you have to. Yeah. 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 Just, go down to once a month. Just to, done with the trends. Done with the whatever. I just want to talk about, I, don't know, I want to talk about Mad Men and the Iliad and Inside Not the Iliad. Iliad. Oh, rage. It's so good. All right. Everyone, bye. Thank you. Bye.
I've never been to Delaware and I don't believe it's real. 